I can like legitimately see that the path, the journey that we went on there, it really does make me uniquely qualified to come alongside folks and help them avoid problems, see problems they didn't know exist, uh, and give me like a renewed perspective on my ability to help from outside the walls. And so as much as I didn't probably want it and I wouldn't have signed up for it, I definitely have a unique story that um, I think it's probably fair to say nobody else has. Every single individual has a story to tell, and they're great stories that need to be heard. I want every listener to know they have the ability to change the world. Welcome to the 1720 Podcast. What's up, Mound Movers? Welcome back to the 1720 Podcast. This week, we have some big things to unpack, and we have an OG of the podcast coming back for a second round, Tim Rothberg. Tim, a lot has changed since, what is that, 150-plus episodes ago. We're very stuffy, very serious. Today's not going to look like that. No, no, not at all, Tim. Welcome. Episode 005, that's how long it's been since Tim was on. I think you find that only on iTunes. That's how far back that is. Yeah, you got to burn it off Napster to get that one. <laughs> Tim was the first time we tried to virtually record. Remember that? We had like a Teams call and a laptop connected to the mixer, and it was awful. It was awful. Go listen to it. It's terrible. The recording I, is terrible. I thought I, I thought I did great. I don't know why you're, you're down on it so much. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I carried the episode. No doubt. I think listeners can go back and figure that out on their own. Um, yeah, good luck finding it. Yeah. I like the bit about having to download it on Napster because there's a whole segment of listeners who have, they don't even know. Like no. if you're under 25, you have no idea what that means, right? But we'll get text about the bit the, for from sure. the right age group. Yes. Yeah, so they'll be got like, oh, Napster. Yeah, I got that one. Got that mm-hmm. one. Uh, hey, we're going to, I'm going to railroad Stewie right off the start here. Okay. Great. Straight in the ditch. Tim, over under, how many times do you think Stuart has introduced us? And said, hey, this is my friend, Tim. Oh, like you and me? Yes. How many <laughs> times have we met? Because that would be the number. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about that before coming on air. Like seven times we've gotten a formal inter- introduction. Hey, have you met Tim? Yeah. A lot. Yeah, I've seen him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been on the podcast. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, there's a. There's I think a, the only oh, time it hasn't happened was at the Texo Gala. And that's because I got there first. And so I saw you before Stuart was even there. He did it there too. Okay. I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty incredible. (laughs) It is. That's why I brought it up. It is incredible. And I don't even, even at home, it's a bit because if I'm talking about Tim at home, be like, Oh, my friend, Tim. And the boy, the kids are like, Oh, your friend, Tim. Like, I I, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is how you know, and what's interesting about the whole thing about being introduced as Stuart's friend, <clears throat> I I never introduced him as a friend. <laughs> Not a once. Not once. <laughs> there's a there's a funny piece to this story. We'll we'll get to it in a second, where I had sent an email about something and said, Hey, blah, 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 my best friend Tim, blah, 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 blah. And then I had an exchange with this guy named Jim, who then and then I forwarded it to Tim. So, hey, look, we're making some progress on this issue. And he responded, like, basically, like, puke, I can't believe you said this or something like that. Do you remember that? It was about lease space. We'll get into it in a little bit. But 
the, the idea that we're friends is disgusting to Tim, apparently. <laughs> Maybe it is to most people. I don't know. Well, you could tell on level of friendship, like by how much banter there is. So oh, yeah. That says, that says all we need to know. I'll tell you a Wait. funny Tim story before we get into the, the topics. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a good one. So the other day, <laughs> the other day, Tim, Tim and I have been friends since 99 or 2000, plus or minus. I mean, I can't remember exactly when, but it was, we met in undergrad back at HBU. And so long time, like 20, let's call it 25 years. Last week, I did something that offended Tim in a way that he said it was like the most angry he's ever been at me, which is great, right? 25 years, and I did it last week. He he was down with the flu, like out of commission with the flu, and he texted me about how he's just been on. Well, hold on. It wasn't just, just, you know, people say they get the flu and they're down. We're talking four straight days of shivering uncontrollably, like the for real flu. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, I got a little sniffle. No, yeah. like I was praying for the comfort of the kiss of death. That's what I was hoping for. Not that Go trendy ahead, COVID stuff. No, <laughs> not that stuff. You know, like something real. So, that's, a, that's, that's a joke. COVID's real. <laughs> uh, so he had the flu real bad. And I forget, what was it? What did I, I responded to via text. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. So he said, he writes this text message to me that he had been in a gymnasium from 7 a.m. to 11, watching his kids play basketball and volleyball, quote, equally exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, right? Comparison's the thief of joy, Stewie. Yeah. Ellen, apparently, like, legitimately angered. So now it's a bit. I was at the gym. It's awful. <laughs> well, in any event. Yeah, we're, we're going to sprinkle this nonsense in throughout. But we actually do have some topics to talk about today, believe it or not. For We've already thinned the herd uh, with the these opening minutes. Yeah, five but minutes in, everybody's done. Yeah. I mean, Stewie, you've been on a wild ride these last two years. I'll start with you. Um, a lot has happened, um, good, bad, or indifferent, to lead you to where you're at today. I'm just going to softball that thing and let you take it from there. Yeah, that's a, that's a good softball. Um Look, there's there's a story about uh, my leaving the private practice of law and joining Osborne that we told some other time, some time back. Um, and I, for those of you who aren't in the Metroplex, I won't overtell like the Osborne story. It's this is not the time or the place to do that. Uh, but su- suffice to say, uh, the Osborne chapter it has ended uh, because of the corporate nature of what went on and what transpired at Osborne. It it is a you know, as I've had the opportunity to like talk with people about what happened at Osborne, uh, and and sort of share some of that, both in terms of like prospectively to help people avoid certain situations, and then in some instances just asking people for guidance and help, and saying, "Hey, this is this is what's going on. What are your thoughts on this?" Um, the the most common refrain was, "You're living through a business case study. You're you're living through something that people who have an MBA, you know, study for an entire semester because it has all the trappings of something that." Um, that challenge business leaders and, and send them through like really, really complicated phases of their, of their business. But that, again, today is not the, the day for that. I think there will be a day for that. I think is that we package it and think through it and tell it and have folks on maybe uh, to tell there's another time and another place, but effective uh, at the end of the year, that is to say 12, 31, 23, my employment there 
ended by my choice uh, to go begin what, what is the next chapter uh, for Stuart. And it was just an actual firefight. Every day was a firefight. Um, and, and it still is uh, because in this next chapter, I'm still doing some of the work for and with Osborne uh, as they wind things down. And we're on to the next chapter. And, and I, we, we can talk through you know how that chapter got put together and whatnot, but the short version of the story is Tim started a firm a few months back. We'll tell that story. Uh, and effective 1124, I've jumped in with Tim to open our Dallas office uh, of the law firm. And so that's we're off and running. Uh, and that's, that's what that next chapter entails for us. And we can talk through that and what we're doing and who's involved and why we're doing it and all the things we're excited about and all that stuff too. But um, again, just to kind of put a pin on it is the Osborne chapter ends. A new super exciting chapter begins uh, for a few people who are in the fold uh, for the firm. So I don't know if that answers the question well enough. And you may have questions and Tim, you might want to refine some of that, but that's a short version. My, my biggest question, maybe it's for now, maybe it's later. You can, you can call this shot is going back to the private practice, what, what was the thought process behind that to ultimately get there? Because I know you had a lot of mentors speaking into your life and, and trying to give you um, unfiltered advice, I guess you, you should, we should say some straight line advice that maybe wasn't aimed in this direction. So there's got to be something about, special about this that breaks that mold to some extent to, to go back into private practice. Yeah. I mean, this, I'll tell a short version of a story again, and then we can unpack it or talk about it some other day. But when you're, for someone like me, right, I've been practicing construction law now for in my 20th, about to complete my 20th year of practice. Um, there's there's a couple of different options that you're presented with when you have this like inflection point. I could go find another job like the Osborne job, um, or I could go back to a firm, or I could pivot out of the practice law completely. I could go do something completely different with my set of skills that I've derived over time or a new set of skills that I wanted to, to pick up. There's that's sort of the three pronged option tree. Uh, and, and the latter really wasn't on the table in terms of decision-making. Uh, it just, it wasn't something that was comfortable with me. That is to say pivot into something completely new. I've been doing this for a long time and I think the skill set that I have and that I've derived over time is valuable to the industry, right? So the option tree really got narrowed to two, go find another job like this or go back to a firm. And neither one of those options really worked, right? I str- and Tim and I talked about this extensively. This was before the decision to join the firm, right? Which is, what does this look like? Um, I would say going back to the private practice of law in a traditional sense, or that is to say, in like going to another firm, didn't wasn't something that I wanted to do. There's a bunch of reasons why. I mean, you learn lessons along the way about things you like, things you don't like, places you want to be, places you don't want to be, people you want to work with, people you don't want to work with. And so just going back and jumping in at another at another firm, and I use that term generically, like just another run-of-the-mill firm, I'm out on that. And then the idea of finding another job like like the Osborne job, well, that doesn't exist. And I, if you go back and rewind to the episode where we talked about me leaving the firm to go to Osborne, that was the only job that I was leaving private practice for. I mean, when Daniel and I sat down and we talked through what that looked like, it was a job that spoke specifically to my skill set, specifically to my gifting, specifically to like the things that I wanted to be working on. And when you look at the marketplace for opportunity in that space, those jobs don't exist. Like the job at Osborne was unique because it allowed me to specifically lay into the things that I, I wanted to be doing. <clears throat> 
And that's when Tim and I got started talking. He's like, you can get the best of the firm, like what you loved at the firm and what you loved at Osborne, and we can put it together in this space. And, and it'll be something that we can both be very excited about as we blend those things that you're really good at, you're gifted at, you love doing, you have some expertise in, we can do it right here. And so that's a long, that's sort of an intermediate version to get to um, how this decision got made. Uh, but I think that's probably a helpful launching point to some other things. Yeah. I mean, uh, the key word that sticks out to me, and I'm going to kick this to you now, Tim, from all the notes and the prep and the discussions that we've had prior to this episode is the word known to me. You know, like I, I'm still in startup six months in on this mm-hmm. business and knowing the people I'm starting the business with and not hiring from scratch is a really big deal because there's a level of trust. There's a level of camaraderie. Uh, you've, you've figured out the strengths and weaknesses. There's so many benefits that just make the journey a lot more fun. Um, so that word really does stick out to me because obviously y'all are tight, you know, it, despite Tim not wanting to acknowledge that y'all yeah, are right. boys. And, and Tim, you took this leap of faith to start Rothberg and now it's being, it's being added to with your friends and uh, just talk about that journey of taking that leap of faith, I think solo at first, and then finding out through the days, months, weeks, whatever it was that you might have some partners and some known horsepower to add to the table. Yeah, no, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, the firm is is now Rothberg Shirtlift Dang PLLC, and I, I had done the solo route once before, maybe four five years ago. And there, you know, Kevin, you're going through it now. There's a whole a whole series of freedoms that bring great joy, but there's also lots of stresses when the buck stops with you, literally on all facets of the business. And so having gone through that before, I had a little bit of of advanced kind of warning of what to expect. And so, uh, and maybe this is a story for another day as well, what caused me to leave a national construction firm to start a local boutique. But I was pretty excited to do it um, when I I, I didn't start alone this time. Ashley Shirtliff, she's only made one bad decision in her life. That's Miriam Stewart. But she (laughs) came along. Uh, to start this thing with me in April. So did Crystal Dang and then Tony Ali, both of them uh, were at Picard and Abramson with us and, and left. And so we started four strong in April and um, that just made, it just made it easier to have a sounding board to talk to with everyone. And, and you guys have been around this space long enough to know that regardless of the size of a company, the number one way you can kill culture, especially when you're trying to build it, is bringing wrong people in immediately. And so to use your word, Kevin, known, to be able to start at a position with three other people that I know, the quality of human being they are, not just the quality of the legal work they do, but their sense of worldview, their value set, um, their, their treatment of each other. And then you add somebody like Stuart for all his many warts, and there are a lot. We don't have enough time, recording space to cover all those. <laughs> to to have the opportunity to add somebody like him that that is a culture adder that he he's just really really good at this at, at the people piece of the business. Absolutely a no brainer, and that's not even the talk about just objectively speaking, the the legal acumen and credentials that he brings to the table. I mean, if, if, even if he was an unknown personality, this is a no-brainer from a business 
standpoint to bring in somebody that's been doing this for 20 years, that's board certified in construction law, that has worked through every type of construction business related dispute you can think through from owners to general contractors to subcontractors and suppliers all the way up the chain. Um, and now coming in with the perspective of having lived through challenging days, um, I just think that's going to bear a lot of fruit for the the industry that Stuart is now able to help again. Yeah, there's so many great points in that and tying back to what Stuart was talking about with the different silos that we build in our lives, you know, and I, I, I one of our former guests, Jeff Wittenberg, uh, when, when I was in exploration mode, um, he broke this down really well and just talking about like, okay, you got your leadership, which is tremendous, right? Like that silo is awesome. Your network, super powerful. Your widgets, your third silo. So if you ditch that, you're effectively only coming with two thirds of the person you are. If you decide to move out of state you're and, and not do glazing, you're one third of the person. And so like, if I'm evaluating you as, as somebody that doesn't know that person on a resume, that's going to be tough sledding. And so to your point, Tim, you got, you got the widget, right? Construction law. Stewie's been doing it for 20 plus years and doing it effectively. Uh, leadership. We've been doing this podcast. We better have learned a few things about leadership and have applied it by now. If not, man, nobody should be listening. <laughs> and then powerful network. And I know Stuart, I mean, hopefully I'm not sharing too much dirty laundry, but there were some concerns about like, man, I, like leaving that silo and feeling like you were going to leave it. But I, I'm pretty certain you're seeing now that you never left it, you know, and they were, they were never gone. You know, you just, it looked different. Yeah. And, and I think part of the conversations that we've had, that I've had with clients over the, the last, I mean, I guess 45 days or so now, they've been really encouraging because for two reasons. One, I realized that, well, I think I knew it at the time, but I, I really realized that I always did business and represented my friends. And sometimes they started as my friends and became clients. And sometimes they were clients and became my friends. But they never were, it was all, it was always connected like that. And so when I left the private practice of law, I didn't stop hanging out with my friends. I still went and got lunch with people. They weren't my clients anymore. I still went and got lunch with them. My calendar was still kind of packed around breakfasts and lunches and stuff like that. Just checking in, catching up, still doing what we had always been doing, sharing stories, offering advice, hearing how things are. And so as I've been having some of those, the same meetings recurring here and I tell them, Hey, here's what's going on. Uh, I, I commonly get the, are you taking clients back? <laughs> yes, man. Yes. Uh, and a couple of times, even the idea of like, great, like we really, really thankful to have you back on the team. And those are moments where you're just like, it kind of got chili bumps saying it. And I know your team will make fun of me for saying that, but <clears throat> it, it's those moments of like, yeah, I not too, 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 too over my own horn, but just like, I really miss that. I really miss some of that. You know what I mean? Why are y'all shaking your head? I'm trying to be serious and now y'all are making fun of me. Nobody can see it. Uh, well, you, you said Tuli or whatever, your own horn. and You don't get to be serious when you're making up words. Well, that's a fair point. But in any event, the, it just, it's been really encouraging the last 45 days as we started to start bringing clients back into the fold and have those conversations. So point, point all well made from you, point, from you Kevin. Well, and I'll get another serious thing in here for Tim. Um, on your LinkedIn page, it says, we bring expertise to the table and leave the egos behind. 
So that was when it was just R. Now that it's RS, do you have to ditch that slogan? Because yeah, we we'll have to come with a whole new slogan. Now that Stuart's on board, there's no way to ditch that ego. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Tim is just welcome as a permanent uh, host now to the podcast. His eye twitch to the words you were saying made me laugh at itself. I know this isn't a video podcast, but this is going to be fun. Yeah, no, it's it's just, like I said, Tim and I have been making fun of each other for almost 25 years. There's nothing that can be said without someone getting ragged on about it. It's just how it goes, man. Well, it, it makes for a fun journey, especially in, in startup mode. And I mean, that season's going to be short lived with the expertise and network and your leadership in the, in the industry. So it's, it's going to be a fun to watch, but what is the firm specifically like looking at the widget silo? What are you specifically looking at? Who are you partnering with? What does the beginning look like from a widget standpoint? I mean, the widget is what the widget has always been for me. For, for me, it's construction law. I mean, I've that's evolved as to specifically how I would articulate that over time. Um, I mean, as I was a, when I was a baby lawyer, it was all litigation stuff, and then you know, sort of in the intermediate space, it was a, it was a morphed nature of you know litigation and handling big things, but also like popping in on your executive meetings and catching phone calls in the car with a difficult. Thing and I, and the, the in the middle sort of interstitial period, I, I would say think of think of me as being next door to you, not an awkward conflict checked away. And so you, you know, I would get the you know random hey, I'm got a call from the landlord today. This is what they were talking about. Can you help me with that? Yeah, yeah. Here, think about this. Assess that. Pull your lease. Look at this. If you got any questions, call me back. And it became you know fifty percent high stakes litigation and fifty percent just outside general counsel. Right, and I mean, part of part of the season was doing high stakes litigation. Right, we told some of those stories, and there's a season where I was just bogged down in some of that. But to kind of get back to the the base question is, it's representing people in the built environment. It's people who build things. When when people catch me on the sideline of a game, they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm like, "I represent people who build things." Um, and sometimes that's general contractors, and sometimes sometimes it's subcontractors. And uh, you would think, "Oh, that creates a lot of conflict." Well, but it doesn't really. Um, because in that's in that space, I represent my friends and I help people who have problems and I help add value to the situations. And the thing that I can do and kind of what Tim and I, how Tim and I, you know, became friends where we were co-captain the mock trial team and was it 2001, I guess, 2000, 2001 was trying like at the time fake, but trying cases together. And that's Tim's expertise man. Tim's expertise is like high stakes litigation you had to bet the farm on something call tim and i've said that for years i've said that when we w- didn't work together i said that when we worked together at pna i've said that out lo- out loud and in every room possible i mean there's only there's only one person i know who has a hundred million dollar jury verdict on their resume and is an aboda guy and tra- board certified in trial law civil trial law and construction law there's two of those people in the whole state of texas there's only one that has the aboda add-on tim's the best there is and so when you get the opportunity to like j- join up with somebody and bring like my problem solving general counsel, act like I'm next door and buckle that in with, you want to bet the farm, you're going to use Tim. Um, it's kind of a win-win proposition, even though it is a boutique law firm. There's only five of us, uh, but you're not going to find that sort of horsepower somewhere else. I- and I hate to say like, that sounds like I'm 
tooting my own horn. I won't make the noise, but I absolutely am tooting that horn. You're not going to find it anywhere else. And I will vouch, Tim. He has said that about you for years. Yeah. Like, it's about time he says something that's both truthful and nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the combo. Yeah, it yeah. is the combo. Well, to piggyback on that, we don't lose the other ones in the shuffle. You know, Crystal Dang comes from a, a first chair trial and employment background. She just became board certified in construction. She's been really, really involved in the construction industry. She was an ENR 40 under 40. Tony Ali brings a, a wonderful perspective to things as he comes from a family of entrepreneurs. And so you're talking about somebody who absolutely understands from the beginning the importance of stewarding the opportunity of somebody's livelihood and business well, because he's lived it. That's a really neat perspective. And then Ashley's the smartest out of all of us, you know, coming from a high pedigree transaction background at Haynes and Boone to have that sort of horsepower to unleash on contract review and analysis is you're just not going to find a, a more powerful boutique with the footprint. I think we're going to be capable of doing in a very cost-effective, nimble, and creative way. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how this unfolds in a, you know, no disrespect to, to the legal market in Texas, but I think the construction legal market is, is ready for some disruption and we hope to be the mechanism for that. Yeah. And it, I mean, you have quite the startup squad. That's where I was going to go next was trying to figure out who's, who's who in that startup squad. And it, it, you got Houston and Dallas covered now pretty much the state of Texas. That's not typical in startup mode to already be launched in two cities. Yeah. But when you have that sort of firepower paired with not a tremendous amount of overhead, it allows you to be a little bit more nimble and adaptive and play to the strengths of the team that you have. And so it's going to be exciting to see. Yeah, let me let me double down on something Tim said, because in as much as you sort of Said, yeah, Stuart's been saying that about Tim for a long time. Another thing I've been saying about Ashley for a long time is she's the smartest person in any room she's ever been in. I mean, she graduated number one in our law school class. Uh, Ashley and I were moot court partners, mock trial partners, practice court. Like we, we went through law school together and we've sort of worked in this capacity. And for a while, then she graduated number one, went and did big law stuff, like crazy complicated. She has really f- awesome. And yet also terrible, like big law corporate stories. And so there's been a couple of instances where I've been like, hey, can you help look at this or something like that? And she's like, yeah, I can look at that for you. And I, I turn around or, and she's like, okay, here's the answers. I'm like, huh? And I've worked with some great attorneys, but her ability to like quickly pick up and process what we're doing is sounds like I'm being cheeky because she's my wife, but it is unparalleled, man. Um, and we've had some corporate referrals so far as like, hey, can you help put together this this deal? Where these, and I'm like, she's like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. It's just like, boom. And it's, it's so you have a real like a real squad, the real startup squad that's going to be difficult. It's going to be really difficult to find a group of lawyers that can match that mm-hmm. in our space with our nimble, our nimble nature. So we kind of said a few of the same things over again, but I just want to double back on on a couple of those ideas. Well, you have actual data on the whole married up thing. We just use it as a cliche, but you literally married oh, up. Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, there's, there's proof in statistics that show that you did. So congratulations. Yes, absolutely did. Absolutely did. We've known that there's, for a long time. Yeah, I think this is a, a you know, just a 
absolute textbook case of blackmail. Stewart's got something on Ashley. <laughs> that is the only way this makes sense. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never we'll know. Never know. <laughs> I got nothing uh, to say about that. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> there's, I, it's fun to listen to this and digest it and reflect on it as we're talking. And there's a lot of parallels with, with the journey here where you have this startup squad and you're starting relatively small, right? And, and you're going to work into something over time. You're working on big cases and stuff, but number of people and volume probably is down. And you have a staff that has the home run capability, right? But you're, you're, you're starting using baseball analogies. You're starting in like the singles and doubles, but you have a crystal ball all the way up through home runs and grand slams. What's going to happen? Yeah. And that crystal ball of time and wisdom and leadership and all those things that we're talking about is really value added for your clients to say, Hey, I've seen this play out before. Have you thought about X, Y, and Z? And, and man, you can read every, I think we talked about this last week, Stewie, you, you could read every book in the world and, and study stuff. But if you haven't lived certain things, it's really hard to crystal ball the what ifs, you know? And, and so since y'all have seen this from different angles, you know, from large firms, large cases, uh, diverse clients, it, there's going to be, it, it's going to be hard to surprise y'all with something that pops. Yes. Yeah, I'll give you a good example. We were on, the co- on a call two weeks ago with a client who has an issue that's going on with, I, I won't, I won't belabor it. it, has an issue going on. It was me and Tim and Ashley on the phone, like brainstorming about the issue, brainstorming with the client about different ways to solve it. And Ashley has ideas I had not had derivative of the document. She's like, what about this? And then what about this? And Tim is flipping switches around like some options that we would have from a litigation perspective. What if we did this? What if we made this demand? We could make this happen. We could do this. And I'm, I have, having been behind the curtain, so to speak, I'm like, well, have you contemplated the business? Impl- what is your bank going to think about this? If you do like, you know, and all those ideas come triangulating together in a way that just provided that client with really good options and really good clarity on what those options, how those options would play out. And it's not, it never has been my uh, place to call the shot, but we hang up the phone and you're like, well, there's a a lot of information and a lot of ability to make a really good informed decision on that issue from an hour and 45 minutes of a call with us. And uh, so anyway, I just want to, again, I'm doing a, a touch of doubling down, but that's a specific instance where those three pieces of experience all come together to provide and just an immense amount of value in a really high stakes situation for a client just in the last couple of weeks. And what y'all have that even an equally talented firm might not have is that, that hustle, the eagerness of an excitement of the early phases. And I think a lot of people recognize that with, with startup companies, knowing that, man, they're going to be all in on this thing. This is more precious to them than just another client, just another job. So y'all have that feather in your cap as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I speak for myself, but I think all of us have always felt that, right? Because there's been a particular amount of hustle that I've always run around with. Um, it's probably a probably a character flaw at some point. We can unpack that, but like it's always been hustle uh, because I think it's a little bit of being addicted to helping folks. I know that's like what's your worst personality trait? Well, I work too hard. Like that's kind of way that sounds. But like I I just I love helping folks, man, and so. Um, finding the hustle, finding the problems, finding the, the, it's, it's, I've always loved doing it. So yes, it, it is startup hustle, but it's also just part and parcel to who we are too, which kind of comes back to everybody being a known quantity and having a high level of trust 
around all of us. Well, Tim, and you'll get this. I mean, I think one of the things that I'm always really respected about the people in the construction space is your, your character and reliability matters because at the end of the day, whether it's a, a freeway or a building or whatever, like it's going to stand the testament of time, whether or not you built something that you want your name on period. And so, you know, to be around folks that care as much about what they do as we do is, is really helpful. We're never going to build a building. There's never going to be a plaque that says that's Stuart Shirtliff for Tim Rothberg, but just like, caring about how the building looks, we care very, very much about our reputation. Are we providing the quality service that we would expect if we were in that position? And so that that drives a hustle. And Kevin, I know you feel that because you're in that space right now is your every every decision and work you do is developing your reputation for the rest of time. And that matters. It does matter. And that's something that I think takes time to learn. Again, that's that's a life experience thing. We were ju- our team was actually just talking about that at lunch today, the day we were recording, about you can't treat things in a silo, like an isol- this isolated thing. We can't run it to the ground without seeing the big picture because we might win this battle, but man, we might lose a war. And that war might be the next 10 jobs that we'll never hear of because we fought for this one change order and really thought we stuck it to them. It's not, that's not how Texas rolls. It's This is relationship and reputation, R&R. But those two, you, you got to have relationships, number one, but then once the door's cracked open for you, do you perform? Do you execute? Are you there for them? Are you willing to see their side of the story and expand perspective or are you only after your agenda? Um, so those are critically important uh, based on just my pure curiosity, because of the parallels that we're running together, do y'all get together and talk about, yeah, this is, we have this crystal ball, but how do we make it better? Like we used to do it this way and that worked pretty good. How do we 2.0 it? Are y'all having conversations around? Oh, for that? sure. Yeah. That's part of, that's part of the excitement, yeah. you know, and you know, we've, we've all have worked in different laboratories and we've seen some things that have worked well and, Frankly, we learn a lot more by seeing things that, that work not well at all. <laughs> you know, we've been in places <laughs> where you've heard people use buzz phrase that are very popular out there about we're a team, people first, collaboration. But you also have seen that it's just, you know, lip service. It's not real. So it's really an opportunity for us to put our money where our mouth is. If we say we stand for X. How do we write policies, values, standard operating procedures that all incentivize, reflect, and encourage progress toward that value set? And so that's been a lot of fun to to actually see what do we believe and how do we live that? That sounds like a couple of episodes of the podcast too, right? And that's not unique to me having that perspective. I mean, that's unique to all five of us saying like, where are we going and how are we going to get there? And what do our experiences bring with us to make sure that we avoid that ditch or get squarely into that spot that we appreciated from before. Um, because yeah, we've all, I'd like the way you said that Tim. we've all worked in different laboratories uh, to be able to make sure we're mixing this up just right. So much good stuff in there. I have to ask one final serious question and kind of relates to the Super Bowl with all those super cheesy lawyer commercials. Do y'all plan on doing something cartoonish that I could catch on the evening news? Is that in RSD's future? What does that look like? No, I think our commercials will probably air during soap operas in the middle of the day. 
probably mm-hmm. on the CW. That's probably where they're going. Um, they have to work though. I mean, I don't know the answer to your question. They have to work though. Cause there's so many of them. There's there. There's so many of them, but I, Ashley and I have a funny story because there's a guy who does some of those zany commercials that are on in the middle of daytime television on a one-off network uh, with the lion, Ryan, the lion Thompson. Have you seen these commercials? I don't think I have. They're not in your market, Tim, but uh, now that I've said it, you'll see one. There's billboards all around town. Homeboy used to have the site of all the uh, Dallas Metro. Uh, There's billboards with his face on there. He was in our study group in law school. Ryan and I like hung out together all in law school. He's still a friend. I text him every once in a while the question stuff. He does them. And I've asked him about like how much money he's spending in the context of it and what the return it's it's very high return. So if you're in like the personal injury space, which we're not, if you're in the personal injury space, that is a very high value marketing piece because people call. You got a catchy like call call Ben or whatever that, you know, whatever it is, they call. And Ryan's bit is he's like walking down the middle of downtown Dallas with a CGI lion walking with him. And Dang. it works. People call. Yeah. They look at that and they're like, oh, he must know. And they call him. And I don't know. That's not our target market, though. I don't think we're going to have cheesy. Uh, Tim, I don't know. Correct well, me if I'm let's wrong. Not, let's not cut off the opportunity before we actually, you know, soundboard it. Okay. What, can we do a CGI like sea otter or something? <laughs> sea otter. Yeah, we're going to workshop this. You want to just workshop yeah. it now or maybe offline? Maybe offline. I don't want, you know, I don't want people to take our good ideas. Yeah, right. So maybe we get a CGIC otter and we're in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm out of serious questions. Did we leave out anything before we get to how the heck do people get a hold of y'all? Yeah, let me, uh, Tim, I have some other stuff too, but let me give uh, just two brief points. There's a, a term that's been like rattling around in my brain or word I'll say is velocity. And I don't know if I stole it from somebody or as my own, the, the terms of like how you apply it here, but um, we've had a lot of outside counsel helping us with stuff. And you get on the phone with them and start to have a conversation and it it doesn't, like they just don't understand what's going on. And you're like, what, what in the world, man? Because they don't understand like what's actually going on inside the walls of our business and how the, the help I need, right? And I think that that the experience that I have had, the experience I've had, gives me a better ability to pick up speed with you. It gives me a better opportunity to reach velocity with you than it did maybe even before I had this Osborne experience. And so when the phone rings, you're already running, man. You've been running on that issue for weeks, uh, probably before the phone rang for me. But I now have a, a different vantage point and I can get up to speed with you real fast. And so that, that term of velocity, being able to be like lockstep along with a client quickly, very quickly, um, it's it's an idea that I've been kicking around my mind. I think there's some truth to it. Um, and Ashley, I had asked her. I was like, "Hey, we're going to do our RSD rollout episode. You know, what's like, help me brainstorm some of the things." And and one of the things she said, I want to say it here because I think it was really impactful, is the idea that I would not have written this story like this, as most people say. Like, this is not the story I would have written. Uh, but even in the midst of it, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what we we're going to do with it. And now, with the benefit of hindsight, I can like legitimately see that the path, the journey that we went on there, it really does make me uniquely qualified to come alongside folks and help them avoid problems, see problems they didn't know exist, uh, and give me like a renewed perspective on my ability to help from outside the walls. And so as much as I didn't probably want it and I wouldn't have signed up for it, 
I definitely have a unique story that um, I think it's probably fair to say nobody else has. And I'm looking forward to like using that story to leverage uh, the way we can help clients going forward. So I hope that doesn't sound too salesy because it's 100%, like I 100% feel that way, but it may, I hope it doesn't sound salesy. Now say it back, but with the CGI sea otter. If for listeners, hit rewind, listen to that last 15 seconds or so, pretending like there was a CGI sea otter. See how that, felt, see how that feels? Yeah. I, think, I be, think we're on to it. That's good advice. I think uh, so, uh, it, Kevin. For people that want to get a hold of us, it's it's sea otter law. Sea otter law dot com. Perfect. Uh, no, you can go to to Rothberg law, and all of our contact information and things are on there. And at some point, Stuart will get a, a goofy mugshot on there as well. I think they call it a headshot. It sounds more professional. Oh, okay. You, you like know, that. same same difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. That's the story. Excited for you guys. Proud of you guys. And you're going to achieve great things. You're going to use that velocity to tremendously impact the industry and impact your family's lives and the people within your law industry. Um, And, you know, you've lived that cycle of mountains being moved and going to be thankful for them someday. Uh, And that someday I think is going to be soon. 